I'm Jason Mitchell, sustainability strategist for Man Group. You're listening to Perspectives Towards a Sustainable Future, a podcast about what we're doing today to build a more sustainable world tomorrow. Beginning in the 1960s, South Korea's industrial policies enabled it to emerge as one of the region's biggest economic development success stories. Under these policies, family-run Korean conglomerates, otherwise known as chables, evolved from import substitution to export-oriented businesses in order to develop strategic industries that range from electronics and shipbuilding to chemicals and automotives. But a maturing economy means that the same corporate structure doesn't necessarily work for South Korea now. And chables have been increasingly criticized for neglecting the interests of minority shareholders, including those of domestic pension funds. So it's little surprise that corporate governance is seen as one of the factors for why South Korea has historically traded at a discount to other developed and developing countries. What can change this? Policies driving corporate governance reform, first begun under President Park, have now rapidly expanded under President Moon. So watch out for efforts to simplify corporate holding structures, address conflict of interests, focus on more efficient capital allocation, and even roll out a stewardship code. Today, I'm speaking to Professor Mike Cho from Korea University Business School. Professor Cho is also the president of Korea Corporate Governance Services, and we're going to discuss what corporate governance reform holds for South Korea. Hi, Mike, could you give us a background first for how you got into corporate governance in Korea? Um, I used to teach uh, corporate governance courses at Korea University Business School as well as uh, Vanderbilt University Business School. And I became very interested in corporate governance, particularly uh, if you look at the uh, Korea, corporate governance is has been... Uh, has become really an important but unsolved, unresolved issues. So uh, I decided to do more research on Korean firms as well as Asian firms. And that brings me also to the uh, position of the president of the uh, Korea Corporate Governance Service. Thanks. Why is it so unique right now when you look at the, uh, the state of corporate governance in South Korea, um, given that you know we're between two presidencies? Um, uh, the Park administration, as well as the uh, and, and the current Moon administration, why does uh, why is corporate governance so important, and how is it ch- changing? If you look at from macro side, we believe that uh, having good corporate governance is the foundation for Korean firms to become competitive in the uh, global market. Nowadays, if you look at the market, it's the product market. It's it's been really globalized, and the Korean firm is competing against other foreign firms, and then uh, if we don't have a sound corporate governance, I mean, the uh, capital they have, they don't, it is not, it will, wouldn't be utilized effectively and efficiently. That will uh, bring down the competitiveness of the Korean firms. So that's why everybody believe that uh, corporate governance is really important in uh, macro side. But at the same time, if you look at the corporate governance issues from uh, capital market side, uh, most of the Korean uh, institutional investors as well as the individual investors believe that there is a huge Korea discount in the Korean capital market. Uh, Maybe because of the, uh, the, we believe that there are two uh, reasons. Uh, one is North Korea, the geographical risk. And then the second is uh, the uh, not sound, I mean, unsound Korean corporate governance system. Uh, so uh, that's why we really, in the Moon government, uh, they try to 
make the uh, was that try to you know uh, remove remove the uh, Korea discount. So they try to push really hard to uh, to improve the Korean corporate governance system. Yeah. When you when you think about the opportunity to fix certain deficits in corporate governance in Korea, um, when you look at uh, across all companies from chables to smaller corporates, what things stick out to you that can be cured, that can be fixed? There are two things. I mean, uh, which are really important to uh, when we try to fix the uh, issues of Korean corporate governance in Korean firms. Um, One is the uh, tunneling issues. Tunneling issues. This is uh, inside transaction. I mean, transactions intra uh, firms inside a, a single chapel group. Uh, so we try to figure out the way to cure the tunneling issues first, and then second issues that we really have to um, think about hard is the uh, the succession CEO succession issues. Now the in Korea the. Uh, It becomes really natural. The son of the CEO become the son, etc. So family-owned businesses. But now, most Korean firms, I mean, large Korean firms, become public firm. So it's not valid, and it's not really sometimes legitimate for us to watch the son of the CEO become the CEO of the company. Well, if they have capabilities of running those huge companies, we're fine, that's fine. But sometimes they don't have those capabilities, and then if those people become CEO of the uh, public firm, that will ruin the uh, uh, value of the firm. So the corporate succession issues and tunneling issues, they, those are the uh, two very important issues when we talk about uh, Korean corporate governance. I see. Um, uh, President Moon has made corporate governance a priority for him within the uh, 100 agenda. Um, it's a very ambitious agenda with a lot of uh, uh, considerations around improving the societal factors uh, across economic uh, classes. But you know, in that effort to do a, ref uh, a number of reforms, um, where do you think the uh, corporate governance now stands? Is it a very high priority for the government, the, the current administration? Yes, uh, they are giving a really high priority to the uh, corporate governance reform because, as I said, uh, that having sound corporate governance in Korea is is the foundation for Korean firms to have uh, you know, uh, competencies and uh, competitiveness in the global market. And Moon is trying to uh, boost up the uh, Korean economy. So uh, to boost up the Korean economy, uh, the one necessary condition is to having a sound corporate governance system. So uh, I think it's uh, it becomes, yeah, it is, it has been one of the top priority, but uh, Nowadays, if you if you, everybody knows, you know North Korean issues and nuclear plant issues, uh, those issues dominate, and the job creation, those kind of things dominate, you know, uh, Korean society. So, uh, so seems you know some to some, it looks like it's uh, it becomes not very top priority, but uh, still uh, it's a top priority for Moon government. Yeah, it would seem to be a top priority in the sense that uh, uh, President Moon has made some significant hires in this area. Mm -hmm. Professor Cheng Ha-sung, uh, who's now an advisor at the Blue House, who's been um, very prominent around corporate governance um, for the last two decades, as well as uh, Kim Sang-jo, who now heads the uh, Fair Trade Commission. Um, can you give me a sense of what you think they're looking at you know, uh, uh, within corporate governance? As far as I know, they work together, closely work together, and then uh, 
the commissioner of the FTC, Professor Kim, he is uh, looking at the uh, particularly focusing on tunneling issues mm-hmm. and try to fix the uh, tunneling issues in Korea. And then uh, Professor Chang, who is the uh, chief of staff in economics, he is pushing uh, more on uh, the other issues related to the corporate governances, particularly uh, minority shareholders' right, and then uh, corporate succession issues, all these kind of issues, I think he's handling that. So, and they are the uh, specialists, as you said. Um, uh, so they know where to target and how to deal with. Uh, so I, I have a very, I'm very confident that they will do the good job uh, when try to do, try to fix the uh, issues, problems of Korean corporate governance. What can you say about uh, the stewardship code that is currently being drafted for South Korea in the way that what kind of models has it looked like looked at in the past? You know, potentially the uh, the UK stewardship code or the Japanese stewardship code, um, and what sense of timing do you have in terms of this actually you know being implemented and institutionalized by a lot of the financial firms in South Korea? Uh, the Korean uh, stewardship code is. Uh, more, more or less, it's just very similar to the Japanese one because we believe that Japanese, you know, the cultural similarities, corporate cultural similarities uh, between Japan and Korea is, I think, is much bigger than the ones in the, between Korea and the uh, UK. Mm-hmm. So we try to come up with lots of spirit, but the spirits are the same, mm-hmm. the uh, fiduciary duty. So, uh, but still, uh, if you look at the close by close, it's very similar to Japanese ones. And these stewardship code we introduced last year, so it's been about 10 months. Uh, not really a lot of firms joined yet, but uh, it's because of the uh, MPS's, the, uh, MPS's move. Uh, MPS, now they didn't join, so far they didn't join, but uh, I have a I'm very confident that they will join at latest by the end of next January. Once the MPS is joining the stewardship code, then other uh, national fund and pension fund, etc., they will also uh, join the uh, stewardship code. And then other um, private asset management firms, they will join too. Because when, uh, you know, uh, to get the money and to manage the money from MPS, they have to join the stewardship code. So I believe that the, uh, the stewardship code will be in full swing uh, next spring. Oh, wow. That would be fantastic. Yeah. When you look at other countries and the way that uh, corporate governance has evolved, um, you find a number of different actors uh, involved. Uh, You find um, the government in some cases pushing it from a policy perspective. Sometimes you find uh, foreign investors. Uh, many times you often find a national, a, a national pension uh, like the GPIF in, in Japan or like the MPS in Korea. Who do you think has been the driver um, so far for Korean corporate governance reform? And going forward, do you think that changes or how does that evolve? Yeah, so far uh, it's been mostly uh, government policymakers they were the major players to try to shape the uh, landscape of the Korean corporate governance by introducing regulations and laws. But it's been changing a little bit. Uh, they also believe that because, the, as you mentioned, Professor Chang and the chief of staff and then uh, the, chum, the commissioner of the FTC, they all believe that now the, uh, the corporate governance, the changes in corporate governance or reforms in corporate governance should be based on the market particularly the capital market. So they stress. That's why they ask us to introduce the stewardship code. And 
by introducing strategic code, the role of the institutional investor becomes really, really important. Mm. And then uh, they will be the uh, major player in shaping corporate governance you know, uh, landscape in Korea, and particularly MPS and other asset management firms. Mm. So far, up to now, the, it, it has been policymakers and government no, but uh, in the future, I think the institutional investors will become very important. They will be the uh, the major player mm. in shaping the corporate governance in Korea. Well, how would you describe sort of the capabilities right now or how they are developing of, uh, of domestic Korean institutional investors, their ability to um, engage on a standalone basis, collaboratively engage, or even you know begin to integrate ESG analysis uh, in their frameworks. Where do you think those uh, capabilities stand? They're, they don't have strong capability because uh, the engagement, the world engagement is very, very new to Korean uh, corporate world as well as to Korean investors. And so they even don't know what is engagement, but now they're developing, they're learning and developing. They invited lots of experts from abroad and then they know how to do it and then they try to learn how to do it and they try to also uh, learn how to execute, execute the uh, engagement, etc. But at the same time, in terms of valuation, they have capability of valuing the company, but... Uh, not really familiar with incorporating the ESG evaluation into their evaluation. So they're also learning. So this is quite very new world to Korean uh, invest, institutional investors as well as individual investors. But mm. the world is changing. Also, the one of the trend in Korea is now uh, uh, everybody believes that we should rely on soft laws rather than hard laws. So soft laws like... Uh, Corporate governance code, as well as the stewardship code, mm-hmm. instead of the uh, instead of the changes in the law itself, mm-hmm. because uh, if you look at the uh, seat distributions in Korean parliament, it's really difficult to change the law. Mm-hmm. So uh, everybody believes that uh, soft law is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think is the best way to? measure the progress of Korean corporate governance. In the past, when you look at other examples, you find ratios that point out the increase in independent directors um, or the implementation of a corporate governance code for companies. Korea uh, clearly has one of those already. But uh, is there one or, or a couple sort of metrics you would point us to to sort of watch the success and progress of, uh, of corporate governance reform in Korea? Uh, in the immediate future, I think the payout ratio may be the very important indicator uh, of the uh, improving corporate governance in Korea. You know, Korean firms are very reluctant to pay out their cash to their shareholders, but they have to pay the adequate amount to the shareholders. You know, shareholders, that's, that's the compensating way, the way of compensating their shareholders. And if corporate governance is improved, then, you know, corporation is willing to pay. They are happy to pay the dividend, and also they are happy to pay their shareholders by buying out their stocks, mm. the treasury stocks. Mm-hmm. So uh, those are the uh, good indicator in, for the immediate future. But for the uh, in the long run, I think the one good indicator is how many second or third generation family members become the chairman of the uh, board rather than CEO of the uh, corporation. Mm. 
So I think that's the good measure of the uh, corporate governance uh, in the long run. Which sort of brings up the one, I guess, controversial issue, issue, which is always, you know, when you think of South Korea, you think of uh, uh, often chables, um, the large, you know, corporate conglomerates that have been entrenched in many parts of society in a number of different businesses, you know, for the last 50, 60, 70 years. Um, how, how optimistic are you when it comes to chables uh, becoming better, co- better governed companies in the future? Because of the, uh, you know, uh, unfortunate incident that happens to the uh, Samsung, I think now the, uh, the chables, they realize that the uh, old-fashioned management style or governance style is not sustainable. So that now to survive in the in the, the changing environment, they all know that they have to change. So uh, from Samsung, I think Samsung will do the uh, lead in terms of changing, changing their uh, corporate governance style. Let's see, but uh, I firmly believe that Samsung will uh, lead the change, and others channels will follow the suit, and then um, Korea's corporate governance will become uh, much better. Hmm much better in the near future. That's what I believe. Have you started to see sort of a, a pattern of improvement? Yes. Um, you know, sort of outbalance or, you know, counterbalance um, maybe some negative issues. Um, you know, I think of Hyundai um, doing annual corporate governance roadshows, uh, which says something about uh, about uh, uh, about this embrace to corporate governance. Uh, you know, I've been impressed by a number of companies starting to uh, do integrated reporting uh, and really spend a lot of time around uh, explaining environmental and social governance issues and their approaches to them. What other things have you seen? Uh, one example is that uh, Korea Corporate Governance Service and Korea Exchange, we uh, jointly configured the uh, comply or explain rules for the uh, listed companies and make it make a voluntary disclosure. If they want, they come up with the ESG issues and voluntarily disclose. And then uh, we recommend the list, listed companies to do that. And then uh, we didn't expect that many, but uh, that many, quote, uh, 75 firms disclose, voluntarily disclose their uh, ESG in the, uh, in the market. Uh, including Samsung Electronics and Hyundai Motors. Yeah, yeah. so it was a good sign that, you know, uh, if big firms, large firms, you know, uh, take the lead, then other firms will follow. Mm. Uh, we expect next year much more. And then uh, maybe Korea Exchange will uh, make it mandatory later on. Mm. But now, at the, for the moment, it's voluntary, but still uh, 75 firms voluntarily. So I, I think it's a good sign. We, I, honestly, I expect maybe five firms. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. That's a big change big between change. five and 75. Right. Reporting. So I'm very uh, optimistic about the, the changes in the behavior of the Korean uh, corporations. Oh, excellent. Well, I'd say, I mean, the last question, is, you know, if you put yourself um, in, an, in an investor's shoes, whether you know, it could be a domestic or it could be a foreign investor, um, and you are um, engaging or interacting with Korean companies, what do you think the best approach would be? Um, what, what advice would you give to investors you know, um, uh, in terms of engaging with, with Korean corporates? Well, this is technical issue. First, I think the technical issue is that Korean, as I said, this is really new word 
in Korean society, engagement is not the world which is familiar with everybody. I mean, the Korean corporation, they don't know what's engagement. So uh, rather than sending out the letter to the uh, directors or top management teams, the best way is to contact IR teams first and then talk about their wishes to talk to management team or, uh, or the board members. And then approaches to the you know, IR team is the best way mm-hmm. to conduct engagement. Uh, if you send out a letter to the, uh, to the uh, board of directors, and then they will be uh, very defensive. Mm-hmm. And then talk about, start to talk about the issues like a dividend. Mm-hmm. As a, I mean, they don't really like a aggressive, uh, aggressive um, activist. They they want to talk to the active they they want to talk to the activist but sometimes they want to talk to the activist who can support them in, in terms of, you know when they are in uh, corporate governance crisis like uh, what for example uh, the Elliot mm-hmm. uh, I don't want you can edit that <laughs> but uh, Elliot um, when they uh, talk to the Samsung I mean Samsung really desperately needed some other institutional investors who can support them mm-hmm. and then. Uh, uh, I, I'm not saying that Elliot is wrong or bad, but uh, sometimes these corporations want uh, institutional investors who can be with them. Mm. For the longer term. For the longer right term, right. yeah. So uh, I talk to, talk to corporations with uh, long-term views. Mm-hmm. That's what I can give Perfect. as an advice. Well, thank you. Professor Mike Cho, thank you very much for um, helping us understand the uh, corporate governance and how it's uh, evolving in South Korea. Uh, Thank you very much. You're listening to Perspectives Toward a Sustainable Future, a podcast about what we're doing today to build a more sustainable world tomorrow. I'm Jason Mitchell, sustainability strategist at Man Group. Thanks for joining us, and special thanks to everyone that helped produce this show. To check out more episodes of this podcast, please visit us at man.com forward slash responsible dash investment or look for us on iTunes.